and welcome to the Shepherds and Kings podcast. My name is Jacob Trelor, and I am the host of the podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for stopping by. And if you've, of course, listened before, thanks for coming back. I hope you've told someone else about this. And uh, if it's been a blessing to you, I hope that you share it with someone else so it can bless them as well. We have got a phenomenal conversation for you today, and I'm really just excited for you to hear this. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second. But first, shout out to Clean5110. If you have not yet, please go by and check them out at clean5110.com. It is a fitness and lifestyle apparel brand that uh, promotes a clean Christian lifestyle as well as a pro-life stance. And of course, now more than ever, we need to be standing for our faith. And it seems like a very small way, but it is a good way for you to... Um, but, you know, besides going to church and always wearing a shirt and tie, uh, if you're a guy, that you can, uh, while you're mowing your lawn or, or out jogging or whatever it is that you do, that you can um, show people what it is that you believe in. So go by, check them out. Use the code SHEPHERD at checkout for 10% off. Our conversation today is with Mike Williams, who is the founder of GEMS which stands for Global Evangelism Ministry Services. He is a missionary and uh, has been on several different fields now, and we get the chance to talk about living by faith, raising a family, um, living slower here during uh, shutdown, and especially when we had this conversation, but uh, just a phenomenal influence, a incredibly spiritual man, and uh, I... I have chewed on this conversation ever since we have had the chance to have it. I know it's a bit long, um, but it is that kind of conversation where you might need to stop it and think about what he says and then maybe come back and listen to more of it. And, and to, you know, and listening to it in bits and pieces is not going to be a bad thing here. So without further ado, let's get to Mike Williams. Our guest today is Mike Williams. He is a missionary and the founder of GEMS, which stands for Global Evangelism Ministry Services. And he is a husband and a father of five boys. Uh, Brother Mike, it's good to have you on the show today. Thank you, uh, Brother Jake. It's good to be on, on with you this morning. Um, could you tell us uh, you know, how you got to the mission field in the first place and what kind of maybe in your life? Give us a, a brief testimony maybe. Yes, sir. Um, well, it started when I was nine years old, um, revival meeting at our church in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, we had an evangelist named Wade Eady come, and it was a Thursday night of that week. He preached. Uh, to my knowledge, he did not preach anything on missions, um, but uh, the Spirit of God moved, and I, as a nine-year-old boy, just went to the altar and knew, uh, as sure as I knew I was saved, I knew that uh, God was calling me to missions. Mm. Um, uh, sometime later that year, a missionary came through on his way to Africa and God really burdened my heart extra for the African people. Um, and that, you know, just set things in motion. And I had the typical, uh, ups and downs of, of the, the teen years and, and, and wondering about life sure. like everybody does, but all, through yeah. it all, I just got, it was always something there that I knew I had to serve God on the mission field and specifically I wanted to go to Africa and so when I graduated high school that was my goal to go to Bible college and train for missions so I went to uh, Hal's Anderson College and uh, graduated from there with a degree in missions and then um, I got 
I went on deputation, was there there on deputation for uh, about th- almost three years. We went on deputation, and then uh, before we actually finished deputation, right towards the end of deputation, we were asked to go and help a group of missionaries get started with a mission work in Ghana, West Africa. Um, and that's how we actually ended up in Africa for the first time. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of more history after that, but I'll, I'll leave it there. That's where we were introduced to Ghana and the Ghanaian people and, uh, and got our feet wet, so to speak in, in mission work. And, um, it's just a, a long, uh, journey from there. That was in 2006 when we first went to Ghana, West Africa. So what led you after that to start? Uh, the, so you're 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 working with the team then, and then obviously again, there's a lot of stuff going on there. But um, you know, what led you to from there? God led you to start the Gems Ministry. You know, Jake, when I was uh, when I was in Ghana, I was I was at the pinnacle of my life in a sense. Uh, at that point, I was less than thirty, and I was uh, a team leader. Of, we had thirteen families at that time. Our church was running, averaging about 1,100, getting close to 1,200 people. Hmm. Um, it was a dream come true for a boy that had grown up planning to be the missionary, be a missionary to Africa all of his life. Yeah. Um, but in 2009, in January, I prayed and fasted for 30 days. I wanted to know from God whether that was his plan for me for the rest of my life. Um, because I didn't want to continue down that road. If it wasn't, I hadn't originally gone to Ghana to plan to be the team leader. I had just gone to help get everything started right. for two years. And God made everything very clear to me in those 30 days that that was not his plat- path or plan for me for the foreseeable future. So I did at that. what was at that point the hardest decision in my life, and I resigned that work. And I did not know... What, what, where I was going after that, what was going to happen. I had no clue. <laughs> yeah. um, and one of my friends uh, actually looked at me and he said, Mike, you're being a fool. You don't even, you're giving up all of this and you have no clue what's going to happen. And the thing that immediately came to my mind and what I said back to him was, Abraham did not know where he was going when God said, leave your father's land and house and everything. But God said he would show him. And I said, God's told me to go. So I know that he's got a path and a plan. And so that moved me out of Ghana. God took me to Germany. Um, I did not, it was, it was a very unique situation. I was back in the States from Ghana for about a month when the opportunity arose to go to Germany and, and help and take a church, help a church there that who's, uh, pastor was the mission pastor was uh, leaving and going to another mission field and uh you know i we ended up going there for, to germany for almost two years god did a lot of really awesome things in germany but the big thing that he did um was he just emptied me um he just uh i guess i like to say he put my face in the mud but it wasn't in yeah. a, it was not in a mean uh on loving manner, it was God uh, emptying of me of myself so that I could have uh, the faith that I needed to start the mission that he was asking me to start and also right. to um, not lean on 
my my own understanding, um, just emptying me of the the things that I had actually asked him to in 2006. I had gone on a prayer and fasting time, asking God to uh, remove from my life besetting sin and things that would hinder me from being used more fully. And uh, the culmination of that was in Germany when God really just kind of opened up my heart to myself and showed me what was there. Um, for a long time, I looked at it like Germany was a mistake and a failure. But uh, now, <laughs> coming full circle, we've actually got uh, my assistant pastor from those days who's now a missionary. Uh, headed to, he'll be in Germany as soon as things open back up. So wow. um, God gave me fruit. And that's some awesome. It's an awesome thing that even in the times where God is, uh, you know, He says if you bear fruit, He'll He'll purge you that you can bear more fruit. And that purging yeah. time feels like it's useless in a in a way, but God still gives you fruit even in that time, and that's pretty awesome. Sure, um, well, because we feel, I imagine, we feel like it's a, we're moving backwards. You know, like it's a negative. Absolutely, I I I, I thought of it as negative for years. Um, I just really thought it was all negative. Uh, because for me personally, in, on the inside it was, but it was what God was doing the inside that would help me to, to do more on the outside, obviously. And uh, mm-hmm. so we were in Germany for almost two years. We did not put our kids in the government school, which is uh, against the law technically. And uh, so about two years we went to go to England to do a marriage conference there, and they wouldn't let us back into Germany at that point after that with our kids unless we were willing to put them in the school. So. Wow. God moved us out of there. But, I mean, to be frank with you, Brother Jake, it was, uh, it all, the timing was exactly, exactly coincided with the lesson that I needed to learn. Um, And when God taught me to walk in the spirit rather than to be a good person through the power of the flesh, that was, as soon as I learned that lesson and I began to spend massive amounts of time with God um, to become the person I needed to be on the inside that would resonate on the outside. When I learned that lesson, God moved me on. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went from there to uh, to Mich- back to Michigan. I was broken. I was defeated. I, I felt like I didn't I was not didn't want to be on missions anymore uh, because I just didn't feel like I had the strength or the energy or the power. I I I started gems. Uh, around in that time though I went back to Michigan my my plan at that time was uh, not to live overseas anymore I just want to be a part of my father's church and start a mission work that would help missionaries but I wanted I uh, I'll get into gems in a moment but that was that was where I started gems um, and mm-hmm. I, I needed that emptying in Germany to give me the faith to do what God had asked me to do God had showed me the concept of gems in 2009. Um, I was reading a book about Hudson Taylor and his mission. And I was astounded by the fact that when I read the book, while I said, yeah, Hudson Taylor was a great man of faith. What resonated to me was the God of Hudson Taylor, all the miracles that he did. And I said, well, God's not a respecter of persons. So it wasn't that it was Hudson Taylor. It was that Hudson Taylor was not afraid or he was willing to trust God and put things on the line and, and let God do what he can do. So if God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he will still do the same things today that he did back then. Absolutely. And uh, so that was 2009. He put it on my heart, actually, after I had resigned from uh, the work in Ghana. 
and then God took me to Germany to, to get to get me ready, and then I came sure. back yeah. in 2012. We started Gems, um, and from from there, uh, we got God began to set things in motion to 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 be where we are today. Uh, first, sending us back to Ghana to, uh, to to start our to base our mission in Ghana, uh, at least our our Ghana branch of of our mission Gems. Sure. And you mentioned, um, we were talking a little bit before we started here about you have some other branches of gems in other places. Yes, sir. So um, we went to Ghana for almost another six years. We started our, uh, some work among some villages there in Ghana. And in 2017, we came back. Um, my wife's grandfather passed. She came back. We had planned to spend a couple months here on a furlough in the fall of 2017, so I came back, um, and then in 20 the, the, the January of 2018, um, God kind of kept us here by, um, well, it's actually the fall of 2017 and then 2018. He kept us here by, uh, my wife w- uh, was pregnant and she had a lot of complications. She could not, she was bedridden for months, and that kind of kept us in the states. And it was during that time that um, God uh, helped me to come in contact with a man named Josh Brown in a church in Memphis, uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Memphis, and he went to me, went back to Ghana with me to to check on things. And then in January, my wife was doing real real bad, and we were supposed to have our prayer camp. And so Brother Josh Brown went over to Ghana after being there one time. Um, he was willing to, and he went over to Ghana, um, found his way from the capital city to where we lived, <laughs> did everything, had our prayer camp, um, <laughs> ran everything, and came back to the States, and God used that to call him to Ghana. <laughs> and then uh, while he was there, we lost our, our son. <clears throat> he was uh, born live but only lived 30 minutes. And uh, and anyway, God used all that time to basically mm. – uh, show us that we were going to be here for a time. And he raised up brother Josh Brown, um, to the, whom I could send kind of like you, you know, to Paul sent Timothy or Titus. He said, you know, for yeah. these call, this cause that I left you in Crete to set in order these things. And that's brother Josh Brown's been there for a couple of years now, almost a couple of years. And at the same time, he expanded our mission, another family in the church here in Memphis, um, wanted to go to Romania. He was about to retire. And uh, he said, uh, you know, I was just going to retire and just go to Romania where my wife is from. And we were just going to retire. But I see what God is doing in our church with missions and I just got to get involved. So I don't want to just go and retire. I want to go and be involved in missions in Romania. And so they've gone to Romania and uh, much to uh, his surprise, he took a little church. He was never planning to actually pastor anything. He just wanted to help a missionary. Um, but he's now um, in, an interim pastor for almost, uh, it's been over, it's been almost two years for him too, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there in, in Romania. And then a family that was with us in Germany, um, they came to the States to go to Bible school. They finished Bible school about the time that we came home. Actually, the day after I came back from Ghana, West Africa, we met him and I met together and talked and he joined our mission to go to Germany to be a church planner in Germany. 
So those, that's how God has expanded our mission. Um, it was not something we intended to do. It was not something we were, my goal was, my goal was to go back to Ghana. And in fact, I wanted to go back to Ghana. In fact, I told our pastor, Pastor Hooker, I said, you know, I, I, I just want, I think I'm supposed to go back to Ghana. God's going to expand our mission. And he said, I think God's going to expand it from here. And, uh, and he was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I was very stubborn in letting go of that, but, uh, I still am. Uh, but he, he was right. And, and, uh, you know, God has just expanded us to several countries. So now, right now I, I'm going every year to all of those places and spending time, uh, in building up the missionaries. I, I call each of them, uh, once every week or two and we talk and we, and we, we pray together, um, We've now started doing the Zoom conferences together. I'm thankful for the technology mm-hmm. we can use. And then I go there every year to encourage the churches um, and and help with anything I can help with. And then obviously to help the missionaries. And now we've also started missions trips to those places and internships for uh, Bible college students and or just people that would just um, some people rather than going to Bible college, they're just going to go intern in our missions works and then uh, after, uh, so many years of internship, they'll, they'll, uh, join our mission. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, and the concept of, of gems and what you do in general is by faith missions. Um, yes, sir. as much as possible. And I know you obviously receive support and you have to, but can you explain a little bit about what the difference is maybe? Sure. Yeah. And, that, that and like another missionary. Absolutely. That's a good question because, you know, <clears throat> Sometimes, and I've actually been in churches where I've talked about our mission is all by faith. And so people have come to me saying, um, is it okay to give you uh, some money? And I said, well, just because I'm living by faith doesn't mean I don't take money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to live somehow. <laughs> but That's the concept right. of, of, of gems is not that we don't take money, but rather we don't, we don't, we don't, our goal is not to go around raising money. Yeah. Um, so I don't go to a church and I say, I need X amount of dollars, uh, to raise, to have enough support to go to this country Uh, or I've got this project and it's going to cost me X amount of dollars. Um, our, our missionaries, including myself, we're supposed to go to God alone for our needs and talk to him and then trust him to put it on the hearts of man to give to that need, um, put it on their heart that first of all, there is a need or simply by us saying what we are doing, God will put it on their hearts. And so a lot of times, you know, like for example, in our prayer letters, we don't say we need this, we need this. What we do is we just say, this is what we're doing. And I'm just trusting God that if God wants other people to get involved in that, then he will put it on their heart. Um, so for example, excuse me, God, had our family do all this first so that we could help ask other families to do the same and know what the, what they're living through, what they're going through, how it, the difficulties of it and such. Sure. But when our family went back to Ghana, when we first started gems, we went back with about 40% of what we would consider full support um, from wow. what we went to Africa with the first time. Um, and I, I didn't know, how many churches I should go to before I went or anything. So I just asked God that he would give me the meetings necessary to raise the support, <clears throat> but I wasn't going to go to those meetings with an idea of raising support. I wanted to go to those meetings instead with the idea that I was, I was there to minister to those churches. 
and if God gave me any support, that would be fine. So I actually didn't even call pastors and ask them for meetings. I just put it out there, maybe in a, in a letter saying I'm going to be in your area, but I wouldn't call them. Um, a lot of times God gave me meetings just miraculously. People just call me up. Um, can you come to my area? And often he would even set it up where I'd be going to an area, for example, out West. And for example, one time he had two churches within 30 minutes of each other. They both contacted me within a week of each other and asked me to come. Oh, wow. And I had, I had never been to either one of those churches. I had never even met one of the pastors. Um, God just set it up. And so what started happening was, and I began to realize that when I did things that way, and I don't think God asked everybody to do it that way, but he asked me to do it that way. But I began to realize that anytime somebody called me and asked me to come, God had a specific purpose for me being there. And it wasn't to raise money. It was somebody or somebody's needed what the gifts that God has given me to help them. Oftentimes it would be the pastor that just needed encouragement. Um, sometimes somebody in the church was struggling. Sometimes, you know, there was young men that needed to be fired up for missions, just different reasons, but God always knew. And I always knew I went in with confidence. I wasn't just going to try to impress people to raise money. I was going to, to do a work for God. And a byproduct of that was God always raised money. I, I, almost every church that asked me to come, uh, the end result was God gave us uh, support through their mission. Wow. Um, and then, you know, also, we didn't we didn't raise money for things. I would just simply say, "Hey, this is something we're doing," or or and such. Um, to give you another example, um, I guess let me go back and say, you know, like for example, our missionaries, uh, the ones that have traveled, a lot of them don't travel at all. Um, if we feel like it's time for them to go, then we just send them um, mm-hmm. and trust that God will supply the need for them on the mission field. Other missionaries, it's an individual basis. Uh, Pastor Hooker and I pray together, and we just ask that God would show us um, what, how long, um, and we pray with the missionary when they should go. God would give us a clear answer. Um, so other missionaries travel, uh, and they do. They have done the same thing. They they try not to ask for meetings, but they just simply put out information, and and God has raised them up some amazing miracles of of giving them meetings and for the same purpose, just to help their faith to grow. Um, uh, so that's kind of what mi- gems in a nutshell is that we don't ask for financial support specifically. We don't ask for money for projects specifically. Um, we just go to God and we, he gives us direction through finances or lack of finances. God sure. showed me when to go back to Ghana by giving me the finances to go. Um, and he can also show us not to go when there is no finances. And brother Jake, I can, I can raise money. Um, but I don't always know that I'm raising it for God's purpose. I can have my own vision, my own goals, my own agenda. And when I do, I can raise the money for it. I've done that. And that's kind of one way God showed me that I can, that it's possible. And that's one reason why I, I don't raise money for projects. Um, because I can have my own vision. But when it's God's vision, Hudson Taylor said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Mm-hmm. So if it's his vision, if it's his goal, there will be the finances to back it. Um, and we've used that philosophy, for example, for building churches for our local churches in Africa. 
we we do it. We don't ask for people to. Uh, we need X amount of dollars to rate to raise this building. I don't know how much the people need to do themselves, and I don't know how much they should be helped. I don't know the timing of when God's ready for them. So I don't ever put it out there. We're raising money. I may put out there. We bought land. We're building a building. And if God puts it on somebody's heart to help, that's fine. But I don't ask for money. Um, and I feel like that in that way, I'm not hindering the people or, 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 or over helping the people. Um, God knows exactly what those people need and when and how much. Um, for their faith and for their to be their own church. So, and in doing so, I feel like God's timing is always perfect. So in reading Hudson Taylor's book, I said, God, you're the same yesterday and today and forever. So, um, I want to start a mission if you want me to. And he asked me to, that would be by faith. Um, that could glorify God because of all the miracles that, that he could do. And we have, Mm. um, I mean, I've got pages and pages and pages of miracles that God has done for our family, for our mission. Um, can you give us uh, an example or two of maybe your favorites? uh, Yeah. Ways that Uh, God has come through in the biggest ways. I think, you know, I know pages and pages is a lot, but yeah, well, well, I'll give you some major ones. I mean, and, and this will give you an example of, of why we don't ask for funds for things because God shows us direction through them. Um, going back to Ghana in 2013, um, I just really didn't know uh, timing and when God wanted me to go, but I had I had very little support and no money, and I said, God, you know, you asked me to start this mission by faith. I'm willing to go by faith. I just got, I have to know that it's, that you're, what you're what you're telling me i don't want to go on my own whim um so i had no money so i said god you know if you either give me meetings or give me the give me the money to go and and whichever way you do um and uh, i had a i had a man that i had known a long long time hadn't had much contact with in years he contacted me and he said uh you know heard you're going back to ghana how's your meetings and i said well you know i've got these meetings and this month and this month and he said, well, um, well, how does November and December look? And I said, well, I have nothing there. And uh, that's actually when I was planning to go if God gave me the money. And uh, he said, well, I'm going to book you some meetings uh, for November and December. And, and he did. And he filled up November, December for me. And so I said, okay, God, January. Is it, do you want us to go in January? I looked up plane tickets, uh, one-way tickets for our family to go to Ghana, West Africa. And uh, it was uh, – it was like, it was right at around $5,000. And, uh, I said, God, if you give us five grand, then, uh, we'll go in January. And within two weeks, um, a man put a check in my hand for $5,000. Uh, had no clue that that was my prayer. I had not, I had not told anybody that we were raising money for tickets or when we were going, it's just some God put it in my hand. And I said, okay, we're going in January. So we went, uh, with, with like 40% support and, uh, you know, after that first year going with that amount of support, I looked back at the amount of money that had come in, huh. and it was more than if I had gone with full support. Wow. And it was not, 
it was there was a lot of churches that had remained faithful and and staying with us and believing in us from the beginning the 40 percent yeah but brother jake a lot of it was from individuals from churches that just on a <laughs> just said we need to take <laughs> up a love offering for brother williams and send it to me um wow. there was a man from north carolina i have never met him to this day i, do, I don't know him to this day he just sent us a letter saying, I've heard about you, and God has put this on my heart and sent us like $3,500. Wow. Um, just those things happened over and over and over. And, you know, when I looked at what came in, God just told me and showed me that um, he'll supply all of our needs according to his riches. Um, mm. And so that's, you know, an amazing story. Then moving up some years to when the Browns went to Ghana, we kind of did the same thing with them. Pastor Hooker and I felt like God had been preparing them for this situation all along. And so we didn't feel like they needed to travel um, within, you know, he came to me in I think February and said, I believe God wants me to go to Ghana. Uh, it might've been March. I think it was March actually. And, uh, we sat down with Brother Hooker and him and I and Brother Hooker, Pastor Hooker said, Mike, how much does it cost to send them to Ghana? We said it's going to take us about $10,000 between, uh, you know, all their visas, all their passports and shots and and, mm-hmm. and plane tickets and getting them there and getting them their residence permits and just all those things. We figured it would be about ten grand, <clears throat> which we had none of that. And uh, we asked Brother Josh, you know, when is the – earliest you feel like you could go and he said well you know may the end of may june I, I could get my house sold and my car sold and 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 pack everything up and so forth and uh so we made that decision if god gave us the ten thousand dollars in that window um they would go at the end of may or june and within a week i think it was within a week maybe two weeks we had we had five thousand then I went up to to uh, a church in the north, and a man walked up to me, and he said, Brother Mike, I always give you and your mission money at the end of every year, but maybe that's not when you need it. When do you need it? And he's telling me this in March. This is like a, a few weeks after we had prayed for 10000 We have five, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, and I know in my heart that he usually gives us $5,000, and um, – I said, well, sir, you know, all, everything within me wanted to say right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I, I couldn't I send a family right now. <laughs> I couldn't send a family to the mission field without knowing that it, God was going to take care of them and they needed to know that. And so I just told him, I said, sir, whenever God tells you to give it is when we need it. Mm-hmm. And the next day he walked up to me and handed me $5,000. So within a matter of weeks, God had given us the $10,000 to send the Brown family to Ghana, West Africa. And I called brother Josh and I said, brother Josh, I got $10,000. And, uh, you know, (laughs) for him, it was like reality setting in. Like it was for me back when God sent us by faith. Wow. Okay, here we go. Um, and, uh, they've been there for, and they went at the end of May. Uh, it was May 30th that they flew to, 
Ghana, West Africa after, you know, surrendering in March and being willing to go in March. And uh, they went to one church, their his home church from a boy to say goodbye. And uh, they went and they've been there in one month. It'll be two years that they've been there by faith. And uh, God has taken care of <laughs> all of their needs. Um, and, uh, you know, so those are just two examples. But I've got <clears throat> hundreds of little things. Yeah. that God has done. But those are some of the amazing things, the way that God has, has asked for supply, has sent supply. But, you know, I think, I believe still on our website, I think we still have them there. I don't keep it up anymore. I used to put regularly on our website the things that God was doing. I've got so many now that I put them in my journal. But um, on our website, I know there is... Uh, um, That's what it looks like I, here, actually. I pulled it up now. Um, yeah. There's a By Faith tab. Yes, and, sir. And... Uh, even the story I think you just mentioned about Brother um, Brother Brown, uh, the, a brief uh, version of that is there. Okay, so. so it's on there. I didn't realize it had been put on there, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's actually quite a few stories, so those who are listening, if they get a chance to go through and, you know, check it out. There's there's a page, of, a long page full of stories there, so. Awesome. That's really good. Um, so um, I, I feel like, you know, the, as like maybe the average guy, um, and maybe you would feel like you're the average guy, but most maybe would not but like in american christianity we we don't have to do a lot of living by faith if we don't want to so what would you you know what would you what advice would you give average joe or like let's say you were mike williams the car salesman instead of yeah. you know mike williams the missionary like you sure. were the guy in the church sure what would your approach be to to living by faith in sort of the uh, the normal everyday average joe life sure well <clears throat> i actually had a man asked me, um, a few years back, he was, uh, he said, I've got, um, I, I won't be able to give his exact words. I'm trying to remember, but he's, you know, I've got, sure. my, I've got my 401k set. I've got, you know, my house paid for, I've got all my cars paid for, I've got yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But what is living by faith for me? And I said, I can't tell you. Only yeah. God can tell you. Um, there is a living by faith that is living from day to day financially, but that's only one part of one side. And, and God, for me specifically has asked that of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he would ask that of every person, but every sure. person, they, there is some, there is a living by faith that God wants for them. Um, it can be for the CEO of a company who knows if he's a witness for Christ, he would potentially lose his job living by faith for him, maybe being willing to witness for Christ Mm. Yeah, and trust God that whatever happens is in his control. Um, For the car salesman, as you mentioned, it may be, okay, if I don't, say this and this and this about this car, I can probably sell it or God, I can just be totally honest and I can trust you that you can sell it anyway. Sure. Um, you know, the Bible says we walk, I think it's second Corinthians five, seven, I think, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Hmm. Um, faith is, uh, in a nutshell, I think the, the easiest definition for me to, to give out is, Faith is just 
believing and acting upon the promises of God. Um, yeah. You know, to believe it is one thing, but you got to act also. It's not just believing. Um, sure. You really don't believe if you don't act upon it. But it's just right. believing the promise of God. So you've got principles in the Word of God. You've got promises in the Word of God. And <clears throat> it's looking at it and saying, okay, God, what God says is true regardless of what my mind says, what society says, what anybody around me says. If God said it, it's true. If God has this principle, it will work. And that's fa- and so if God said it, I can take it to the bank. Um, and that's that's really the for the, the average Joe is, am I willing to step out on the principles and promises of God? And that's important in our society, especially in our Western world today, because so much of our world is geared away from faith. Yeah, um, it's all about man's reasoning, right? And Insurance man's wisdom, and protection, and. Um, and I, I, I've had I've had people tell me specifically um, that's foolishness. God gave us a mind to have wisdom, um, and my answer to that would be the I think it's First Corinthians that tells us, uh, "He that is wise in this world, let him be a fool." Um, the wisdom of God is wiser than man, and so we don't need any wisdom apart from the wisdom of God. And if there is wisdom out there that appears to be wise, but it contradicts the principles and promises of God, then it's foolishness. Um, the world looks at our faith as foolishness. Right. Uh, when we do stuff, you know, it's, it's absolutely foolishness. Um, but it doesn't matter as long as God's promises are true and they are. Um, you know, I have a good friend, a missionary friend, who said, who's, uh, his name is Jason Dover, and he said, you know, there's there's no fine line between faith and foolishness. He said many people say there's a fine line between faith and foolishness, uh, but there isn't. Either if God said it, then we can we can act in faith, and if God didn't say it, then it's foolishness, not faith. <laughs> so sure, it's either God sure. said it or He didn't say it, and so it's not really where's this fine line. It's did God say this or didn't He? And if He did, then it. We can go forward in faith. If he didn't, then it would be foolish of me to go forward because he didn't say it. Um, and so ultimately, Jake, what it comes down to is walking with God and being close enough to him to have the confidence to go forward mm-hmm. in what he asks us to do. Sure. Um, I think it, in a lot of cases, that's definitely like where we would fall flat. You know, like we, I wouldn't say there's not a need to walk with God because of course there is. But again, in that American culture, like, yes, you know, sir. I go to church, I have, you know, you mentioned the 401k, yeah. like I'm, I'm good, you know, in a lot yep. of cases we feel that way and, and we're not even in that place to kind of trust God in the first place. Yes, sir. So I think you walk with God and you say, God, show me what it means to live by faith. What do you want from me? And when God says it, and that's a learning process. Uh, mm-hmm. I've made, I've made mistakes, uh, my own heart telling me something and not God. And it's a, it's, it's a learning to discern his voice. Not, you know, I'm talking about things that aren't just plain uh, black and white in scripture. There are some very, obviously a lot of very simple right, things right. in scripture that are very plain, but there are things that aren't, you know, um, especially in mission work, where to go and when and such. Um, right. But you, you learn to discern God's voice. There's some mistakes along the way um, uh, that not God's mistakes, but our mistakes, but, right, we, right. but he teaches us his voice and, you know, 
I'm trying to remember the passage and it's not coming to my mind, but add to your faith, patience and patience, experience and experience hope. Um, well, every time you step out of faith and God answers, um, it gives you more patience the next time in, mm-hmm. in the testing trial. Uh, and that experience of God coming through builds your faith so that he, and he'll keep building it into different areas of your life as you keep experiencing God is true and God is faithful and God is, uh, he does all that he says he will do. Um, I think the, the, a big hindrance to us in America, Jake is, um, you know, if you live by faith, uh, the way God asks you to, and once again, that's different for everybody, but God only promises to supply your needs. Mm. Um, and America, we, we, we live way beyond our needs. Um, and that's not wrong in, in and of itself, as long as is as those extras don't become idols that take us away from doing what God asks us to do, right? Um, but that's yeah. And in, in your mind, is that one of like the biggest uh, hindrances to faith in general? Is that just like an American specific one? I wouldn't say America. Oh, it's definitely in America. I would say it's a affluency hindrance. It's flu- the hindrance of affluency. Sure. Um, and that's most of our Western world. It's not just our Western world, but, you know, third, third right. world countries. The Bible says very plainly that the poor are rich in faith. Right. Um, they don't have all of those things weighing them down. The Bible talks about um, those who have a lot. Um, uh, I won't be able to quote it exactly, but they, they, they have a lot of things that distract them right. um, and keep them from, from God and from faith because, uh, um, they that are rich in so they that are rich in this world, um, I think it talks about many foolish and hurtful lusts that draw them away or something like that. Um, that's the danger. Um, so yeah, in America specifically, our affluency, um, we as Christians somehow have gotten to the point where we think that God is only a good and righteous and just and fair if we have a lot of things like everybody else. Mm. Um, and once again, those things are not necessarily wrong. I think God has some people in this world. He puts them there to make money, to fund his work. And so they're naturally going to have more, um, because he gives them blessings alongside of it with, with that, with, with alongside with that comes some extra stuff, Mm. but it's why, you know, is that hindering us? You know, when you talk about the parable of sower and the reaper, the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word of God. Um, and I think that's our, one of our big idols in America is the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It, it chokes the word to keep our faith from growing because we can't look beyond that and see that there's a life of contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah. It sounds like even from your own story too, the other um, big hindrance, at least in my mind, would be um, like pride uh, or <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not even the word. And I'm not trying to say that you sound oh, prideful. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like I know in my own life that because you, you talked about, you know, like having your vision and you doing things the way that, you know, you thought they should be done. And, and I know yes, that's sir. what I struggle with. And um, do you have any thoughts on like that being another big hindrance to living by faith? Uh, I, I think that's amazing, Jake, because uh, that, when you originally uh, said that was a question, you know, the biggest thing is truly living by faith. Um, yeah, I, I, 
the two words that came to my mind for America specifically is 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 pride and greed. Mm. Um, but yeah, pride because God is going to ask us to do a lot of things that are not that are that that are, that causes us to be humbled. Sure. Um, if you listen to what God says, He will you will have to do things that people don't understand. Um, there may be nobody that understands, but you and God, and you just have to do it trusting in God. As I mentioned earlier, one of my friends said to me when I left Ghana the first time, like, you're a fool for leaving all this. Um, that hurts the pride. <laughs> and I, right. I had to realize that everybody, nobody understood what was going on. Everybody thought I was making a mistake. Um, but I, I'll be, I, I'm just being transparent here, Brother Jake. I, I've never had that big of a church again. Uh, I've never had that many staff members again. Hmm. I would not trade where I am in this today for back there ever. Wow. Um, because I've seen God do so many miracles financially yes but in many other ways too i've watched god raise my son up from his deathbed in ghana west africa um through prayer um alone yeah and uh just so many things that i would not trade it um but my pride so often that's been a big struggle um, of what people think about me. Um, every time I've moved mission fields, I know I have known that a lot of people will think, man, this guy doesn't know, have a clue what's going on in his life. Um, <laughs> every time I've made changes, you know, in locations, not just in the mission sure. field, but from Michigan to Memphis for our, for our mission headquarters. Um, all of, all of them, those moves have been at the word of the Lord. Um, but I have had to, at the same time, realize that many people are not going to understand um, but right. on the on the flip side of it, that's the greatest. Uh, I think the greatest, uh, not just hindrance to faith, but it's the greatest trap. Because once God starts doing these things, then the evil one comes and tries to make you think you're somebody because God is doing something. Yeah. Um, and it's a constant reminder. Which thankfully God doesn't let us go that far down the road if we walk close to Him. But He. He's right. Satan's constantly trying to say, look what God is doing, look what God is doing. Um, and so that can try to, you want to, Satan tries to get trapped with the trap of pride in that way too. However, um, the awesome thing about living by faith is that uh, you have to constantly be dependent upon God because um, there's no other way to survive. So um, it's a beautiful thing. It, it definitely is. But yeah, pride and greed, definitely the two wow. biggest things. Uh, hindrances, in, in my opinion. So, kind of switching gears a little bit, um, given that we, you know, I'm kind of geared towards Christian men, um, what are your reflections on the state of, I guess I would say, Christian manhood, given that that's where we're coming from, um, whether it's, you know, foreign or or not, but like the state of Christian manhood in general, and maybe your def definition of manhood then? I think there's no greater definition of, of, of manhood than, than being like Christ. Um, mm. you know, as I've gone to different countries in the world, uh, I realized that 
manhood is a cultural idea. Sure. Um, you know, I forget going to other countries. You just travel around America and you go to different locations in America and everybody has a different idea of what a man is. Right. Um, and their culture dictates it to some degree. Um, and I have learned that, you know, so much of philosophy in our lives is dictated by our culture. Um, mm-hmm. And as I travel the world, I realized that there's Christianity and there's culture. And while American Christianity, American culture is, was built a lot upon Christianity. Um, we can often think that something is spiritual or godly just because it's our culture. Um, even, even a Christian culture. Sure. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it godly. Right. Um, you know, for example, one of the battles that we always face as missionaries is, is trying not to make Americans out of our people, but rather Christians trying not to make a American church, but a Christian church. And I used to talk to people in Ghana all the time and say, you know, as long as your culture does not, uh, go against the laws and principles of God, then we will have as much of your culture as we can in our church. Sure. Um, and I will do everything I can to keep American culture out, but we just want it to be a Christian culture. Yeah. Um, so if it's wrong, then we have to negate it because it's not Christian, but if it's not wrong, then let's have it. Um, I think the same thing applies to manhood. Um, and the ultimate, obviously we're never going to find a man that was more pleasing to God than Christ. And so my goal is not to be measure up to so-and-so because he's a man, but rather to measure up to Christ because he was fully God and fully man. Hmm. So I, as a Christian, am going to be the man that God wants me to be as I'm conformed to his image. And we dare not compare ourselves among ourselves, uh, for that's not wise, because each man is going to have his gifts from God and his strengths from God um, and his uh, mission from God. And they're going to be different. Where the Bible re- refers to us as like trees. Um, you know, Psalms 1, um, the man yeah. being planted by the rivers of water like a tree. Um, and so they're all going to be different. They're all going to look different. They're all going to have uh, different stories, different uh, knots, different branches, different yeah. amounts of fruit. But we, so my, I cannot compare myself to any other man and say this is what I need to be. It's 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 good to have role models in our life, our pastors and men of God and and such. But we, uh, my goal as a man is just to simply be conformed to the image of Christ because he is going to conform me to his image, but at the same time in a way that I am used maximally for his kingdom. Um, And that may not be the same look as this man over here who is you being used to his full potential, um, but God is using him in a different way. Mm, That's a Um, really good definition. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think you just got to go to Christ and say – what what is he has to be 
his life has to be applicable for everybody. It, yeah. it was a, it was applicable for the fisherman. It was applicable for the tax collector. It was applicable for the Pharisee of Pharisees. Um, it was applicable for the Nicodemus. Um, <laughs> you know, if I try to find my manhood in another man, earthly man, I, I will not be able to attain that fully. Um, but, and of course I can't attain to the Christ fully, but I, but I can become mature in Christ. Um, and we see all these different men with all these different walks of life become filled with the spirit of God, used with the power of God. They weren't all pastors. They weren't all missionaries. They were, a lot of them were just men in the church who God did miraculous things with like Philip and he was an evangelist of course, but I mean, these men, Stephen, um, these men did not start out as, you know, pastors and whatever. They just became filled with the Holy Ghost and God used them to their full, uh, what we would call in our secular world potential. Right. Um, and I, I think that's something we got to shy away from of trying to reach our potential. Um, I shy, what I've got to try to reach is the fullness, a measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. And that is my potential. Um, uh, so yeah, no, that's, I, I just want to be like Christ. Uh, so one of the things um, I know that I talk about a little bit, and then I also try to look for examples of is, I, I guess what I call the word balance, sure. um, which I think ultimately is, you know, having your prior priorities in the right place. But how, how does a man find balance? Like, so for example, you're traveling, you know, a lot, uh, spending time with your kids versus traveling. Um, you know, you, again, even like your vision uh, versus like your pastors, uh, how do you find balance? I, you, I can't. I have to go to God. I, I, I have no idea what the balance is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God kind of showed me that, Brother Jake, on my first furlough after we started our mission, Gems. Um, I came back on furlough saying, God, you know, I don't know how much to let my family rest and how much to go to churches. But you know. And so, you know, God had already showed me not to, you know, try to drum up meetings, so to speak, on, on yeah. before I went to Ghana with the gems. But he kind of carried that over to our first furlough. And so God showed me through meetings or lack of meetings how much to go. So if people called me and asked me to come, there was only like one or two situations where I felt very strongly impressed by the spirit of God that that was not, um, of him. And I usually got counseled for confirmation, but, and I declined those meetings. But other than that, every time a pastor called me, um, I went and then there, if there was eight weeks in a row, we went eight weeks in a row. If there was eight weeks in a row without meetings, then our family rested. Um, and I, I, I decided that I couldn't base my opinion of how much time we needed by man's opinion because they have no clue where we're coming from, what we've been sure. through, what we need to prepare ourselves to go back, etc. I've just got to walk with God and let God decide that. And, uh, and once again, yeah, the pride can be a hindrance because if I'm worried about what man thinks, I may not walk on his path. So I let the meetings determine how much I go, how much I don't. And so it's kind of the same way right now for me personally. Um, I still, I'm in the States 
more than I'm on the mission field right now, but I don't call for meetings. Um, if pastors call me um, for a missions conference or for a meeting or to fill in preaching, then I go, but I don't, I'm not trying to get meetings. So I feel like God knows how much I need to travel inside the United States um, by giving me meetings or not. And then I also, for going overseas, I just let the opportunities come. Um, I try to go every year to Ghana and every year to Europe. And um, I base those times on how long to be there uh, just through prayer and asking God to make the circumstances help determine how long I need to be there. Um, And this year, for example, I've gone to Ghana twice already, and that's both you know, one was planned and one was not. Uh, circumstances dictated that I go again, and um, and then also um, for new opportunities, I just you know I'm not beating down the door trying to find opportunities. But for example, uh, somebody asked us to go to Sierra Leone to help some pastors and wives there next year, uh, 2021 in uh, February, and so that kind of has dictated to me. Um, okay, that's that's something I've got to do. Mm-hmm. I I have no clue how much time I I've got to spend with my family, how much time I got to spend with my wife, how much time I've got to. Um, I I, I do try to spend a, a lot of time with my family um, when I when I am home, um, and part of the way I do that, brother Jake, is that I I rarely go someplace without one of my children. Oh, that's good. I I do, if I feel. Um, if I feel really empty, um, I'll go by myself because it'll give me a lot more time alone to 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 recharge spiritually. But almost always, ninety percent of the time, I'd say ninety five, I take one of my boys with me, um, and they get to experience the uh, the miracles of God and how God guides and directs in meetings and different things, um, provision, um, and obviously just that the camaraderie. And of course, I'm hoping that. Uh, and they've, and from their mouth, they've all want to be involved in missions. So they've got to learn these things firsthand too. Um, and then God gives opportunities for my wife and I to minister together, like next year in Sierra Leone. It'll just be the two of us. Um, so I would say the same thing to any American man. Um, the only way you're going to know the balance, because. Um, You just don't know. The mm-hmm. only way you're going to know is to seek God. You cannot right. be the the husband and father you need to be without having a steady relationship with Christ because he is the one who's going to conform you to his image. And as you're conformed to his image, you'll be the proper husband because that's we are the Christ in the home. You know, uh, um, what is it? Uh, Ephesians 5, Galatians 5, Ephesians 5, I think. Um, we're the example of Christ. We cannot be the right kind of husband without drawing close to him. And then um, the more I'm like God, the more, the more proper father I'm going to be because he's the, he's the perfect father. So uh, where we are in danger in America is that our greed causes us to run over the top, hmm. um, to have things yeah. that we think are going to make us happy but that in essence so often destroy our families um, because um, we're after things and rather than after God. And it'd be better in my opinion to take 
less job, less hours, less money, and scrimp by and have lots of time with your family um, and with God. God, it's first God and then your family than to have all the things and look back in 20, 30, 40 years and say, man, uh, I've got these things, but I've got no one to share them with. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'll go to my dad, example of my dad. Uh, maybe this will help too, and then I'll I'll be done with this. But my, my father, growing up, he spent a lot of time with us boys doing some specific things. As as the older we got, the more the more time he spent with us, actually. To the time when I was a senior, he spent the most time with me ever in my life. When I was a senior in high school, we just did a lot of things together, trips together, hunting trips, fishing trips, uh, you know, um, uh, spiritual trips, as in like going to uh, conferences and stuff. But I realized that after a few years in the ministry, how much time my father had spent with me. And I, I, I talked to him about it when I had my own son. And, and he said, Michael, he said, your mom and I purposely pulled back on doing as much as we could have done in the ministry until you children were gone. Because we knew we would have the opportunity when you're gone to put as much time as we want in. Sure. And, you know, now my, my dad's so much more busy than ever, than I remember him being, you know, I'll go home to visit him. He's got so much more going on than when I was a kid, but he's, he's, he's got all that extra time. Yeah. Um, and so he purposely chose to do less, have less, be less, so to speak in people's eyes so that he can invest in his kids. And then he had time later to do those things. So I would really encourage men out there um, don't have a hobby unless it's your kids or your family's involved. Um, don't let your hobby and your, your man friends take you away from your family. Make your family and time with them your hobby um, with your wife. Um, and, and if you need to, find a job that gives you more time with your family, even if it means scraping by. And, you know, as long as you can get by, which I think you can, if God... And I'm not saying do it without seeking God's face, but if God allow you to right. do it, you will not regret it. Um, and but yeah, in a nutshell, the only way to balance it is to go to God. And, and Jesus was perfectly balanced. Yeah. Um, so right, 100. percent Like you said, more like him, more, the more we we have everything in <laughs> in perspective yeah. and balance. Absolutely. So I. I, I guess I, I was going to say, you know, about a man like leading his family, that's one of the things that I, you know, I've talked with a lot of guys about the most that it seems like most men are lost on, um, like practically, how do I lead my family? Uh, but I have a feeling that your answer may be very similar to the, to the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I've, I was going. You know, I, it's amazing to me, brother Jake, I'll be very transparent right here. It's amazing to me how many, uh, rough areas, so to speak, you know, that I thought, um, that, you know, maybe my wife needs help in this area, this area, or we've got some conflict in this area and I need to figure out how to fix her. Um, as I've sought God, God every time reveals to me that it's more like a mirror of me. Um, mm. and when he fixes what he needs to fix in me, the rest falls into place. Um, both with my wife and my children, my ministry, everything. Um, and 
if I'm not walking with God, I cannot lead. I may lead in the flesh and, and be a technical leader, but that doesn't mean that's not going to hurt me down the road. Right. But when I walk with God and he makes me who I need to be, whatever kind of leader that is. And I think it's different for every man because every man is different himself and has a different wife and you come from different backgrounds and all those things. You have different battles. You have different uh, uh, struggles spiritually. You have different experiences in your past. You have different battle uh, tests you're going through now. It's different for everybody. So the only way that I can be the proper leader is if I have confidence in my walk with God and what he leads me as I I have to be the leader in my home, but if I'm not with him, I may lead out of anger. I may lead out of fear. I may lead out of determination, whatever. And that is not good. But when I, when I walk with him and I'm close to him, I have confidence that if I tell my wife, God tells us we're going here, it's not just a whim. It's not just a, it's what God is saying. And so I have confidence that she's going to follow um, even if, even if at first the emotions of a woman, which are very typical, uh, you know, lead her to be like, oh, are you serious? Um, I can get through that and I can comfort her because I know that God has told me. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like I said earlier, that, that comes with learning and just to discern God's voice. I have made the, I have made those forward moves. This is what God said and had to backtrack because it was, it was my own heart speaking. Um, but yeah. But, you know, you have to grow in it. And as you grow, what's going to happen is your wife is going to learn that you do hear God's voice. When she sees the miracles that God does in your own life and in your own, when she sees what God is doing in you, then she's going to, she'll she'll be much more willing to follow because she'll be confident that you know what God's saying, not just this is my husband's agenda and he's telling me it's what God says. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. That's, uh, you know, and I used the word discernment a couple of times. And I think that's a really good, uh, yes. even for the balance thing and just the whole, the whole topic in general is discernment and being led by the spirit. Yes, sir. I, I think, I think brother Jake, we, here's the problem. Uh, uh, it, it's a problem in our churches in America. It's a problem in our homes in America. It's a problem in our own, own lives. Um, we forgot how to we've we have forgotten how to be still and know that he's god we're so busy we've got so much going on most of it's for greed um and, and it's it's a culture and it's kind of hard to get out there in a lot of ways i mean you know you work at a company and they demand this many hours per week and you know why because they're built on profit right and and so it's just a, it's the whole culture is built on it. It's not enough. Not that it's it's never enough. Um, and I'm not saying that God calls everybody to this, but God says in Matthew five six seven eight the, the Sermon on the Mount. He says at the end of it, if you want to build your house upon a rock, this is what you got to do. These things that I've said. Uh, and he says very plainly, very simply, take no thought for tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> that can almost sound harsh, but that's just what he says. Uh, and, and that's the hard, that's, that's a hard thing to do. It is. I, I know uh, for sure. Uh, I won't, 
I won't be dogmatic and say it's for every Christian. I know for sure it's for every missionary because he's talking to the disciples who are going to become apostles, um, uh, which is, uh, you know, our word missionary is the same word in a different, uh, I think it's Latin. Um, it just means sent one. Um, when you're a missionary sent out to do God's work, um, I know that, I know that I'm confident that that's what God's, those chapters are what God asked of us. Mm. Um, it's pretty much a pattern, but I think it's a pattern of discipleship. I mean, this is pretty much his first teachings to his disciples who are going out of the, coming out of the world and into his kingdom in a sense of not just by faith eternally, but by faith temporally. Um, he starts us off with, with the Beatitudes. And in my opinion, he's just trying to get them to understand that their thinking has to be different. Yeah. Um, what it means to be blessed in God's eyes versus what, what the world thinks is blessed. Um, and when they can understand he thinks differently and you've got to think differently for the kingdom, then he starts telling them all these things in which their lives have got to be different. Um, but we're so rushed and we're so after everything else, we've forgotten in America how to seek God. Because we haven't sought God, especially in our churches, his spirit is not prevalent it is not transforming lives. And so we, in our worldly wisdom, have followed the, the methods of the world and business mm-hmm. world. And we've tried to come up with methods that would give us an appearance of the Spirit of God working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's just created more emptiness in us the same way it does in the world. And the answer is to be still and know he's God, to seek him. He'll give us all the wisdom we need for our home, all the wisdom we need for our work, all the wisdom we need for our churches, and we'll begin to have fruit. What The problem is, Brother Jake, is we've set up assembly line Christianity and we've uh, put out some molds and we've tried to put them in assembly line and produce a product from an assembly line and try to claim that that's fruit. A great man of God, my father, Paul Williams, uh, gave me this thought, and God's worked on me more multiple times through it, but an assembly line can never produce fruit, never. Only trees produce fruit, mm. and a tree that produces fruit is planted by the rivers of water. And he brings fruit in his season. It's not an instantaneous thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, there's seasons. Um, but that only comes when he's planted by the rivers of water. In other words, he's, he's in his law doth he meditate day and night. Um, and when we start having that in our churches, and I think part of what God, uh, let me apply this to right now. God's trying to slow America down. He's trying yeah. to slow our families down. He's trying to slow America down. He's trying to get help us. He's giving us the opportunity in this time to find him. It's just a matter of whether we're willing to do that. Um, I think we're so busy. We're so used to being so busy we can't slow down. But he's trying yeah. to so that we can find him. And when we do, we are transformed. When we are transformed, we, we bear fruit. 
because we become like him and we start bearing fruit. And then you'll see the power of the spirit of God move in our, in our Christian world. Um, when we stop trying to produce a factory product yeah. by using worldly methods and we start seeking him. Man, that's, that's really good because it's like during the middle of all this, that is something that God has been working on my heart specifically about like slowing down and, you know, listening to him and, and finding him in the middle of quiet. And it's amazing that you say that because, you know, it's something I've had to start realizing in the middle of this. So that's incredibly helpful. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Um, well, I, I appreciate you. Uh, it's just been an incredible conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Where can people go online to find you, uh, your social media or your website, Gems? What, how can people contact you? I, I, I lost you for a second. I think you asked where to go to learn more about our ministry and such. And um, Yes, sir. If, yes, our website, gemsforchrist.com. Um, they can go there and I, all the information they should need is on there. If nothing else, there's contact information there. They can contact us directly. Okay. Uh, are you on social media at all? <laughs> Technically, yes, but <laughs> I will say no. I have. Okay. Gems has a Facebook account and about every two years I put something on there. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Just, you know, for people who are into all that, just to, if they want to follow you or something. Uh, no. We are, we're getting there. Uh, yeah. I have some people that are helping me try to get stuff updated and, and uh, a little more consistent. Well, I get you it. Know, I mean, I, in a lot me, of ways, it goes against this, the whole be still thing, right? <laughs> let me, let me say this. We do have more. Um, in fact, um, some of our, our branches of gems like Germany and Ghana, they, they have their own, um, Facebooks, uh, you know, like gems, Ghana, Facebook gems, I think gems, Germany, maybe. And they're, all that stuff is on the website too. They can, they can get contacted with connected with that stuff on the website. Okay. Yeah. That works. Uh, well, thanks again, brother Mike, for taking the time to talk to us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thank you. God bless you. So like I said, that was, you know, an incredible conversation and I was incredibly blessed by it. A couple of the things that stood out to me were right near the end, of course, where he talked about God slowing the world down here and maybe trying to get your attention through that. And I know he's done that for me. And even now it's still tough for me to uh, purposely slow down and get rid of some of the things that I think I need to do. Uh, A new book, a new TV show, a new conversation. Um, even tasks that I do have to finish, that uh, spending some time slowing down is a good thing. He talked about, of course, then some of the hindrances to faith are pride and greed. And I know those are both things that I struggle with as well. Um, A lot of men, most men struggle with some form of pride, but uh, we feel like we can do it on our own. We have something to prove. We want to show people that we can build something or do something better than someone else. There's some uh, competitiveness there. Or also greed that we want a nice thing, again, maybe to show off to someone else um, or to keep up with someone else or to feel better about ourselves or just because we deserve it because we work hard. Whatever the reason is, those are both areas that I struggle with. And so uh, I was immensely challenged by that to focus on the things that truly matter. He talked about not having a hobby and spending time with your kids. And that's a tough one because... You know, he's not saying, of course, you know, never having any time for yourself. That's what he talks about. But um, the reason that your kids make it for Christ, whether they turn out or not, is because of you. 
in your family, in your home. It's not the Christian school. It's not the church. It is what happens in your home. And I love the priority that he placed on you being with your kids, spending time with your kids, the story that he told about his dad um, not being as involved in ministry as he maybe he could have been to spend more time with him as he grew up and then increasingly more time as he got older. Uh, that was just a phenomenal challenge to me. So hopefully you were blessed by this. Um, make sure if you get the chance, of course, to pray for him as he travels. And uh, if, if you find a way, reach out to him and let him know that he was a blessing uh, here on the podcast. Well, that wraps it up uh, for today, and I'm glad that you stopped by. Uh, once again, go check out clean5110.com. Use the code SHEPHERD at checkout. And uh, we look forward to having some more conversations. Next interview is also a really good one. Um, that uh, is something that I know men, especially during this time, uh, have struggled with and another topic that um, is definitely needed. So we will see you next week. Thank you.